Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Putting STEM into the classroom. Hi there, and welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Woods, and we uh, try to share with you some ways of adding some STEM into your classroom. And it doesn't matter which grade level, which, uh, which class you teach in, uh, there are ways that you can incorporate STEM into your uh, everyday classes and lessons. And uh, today we have uh, some special guests from Hardin Valley Academy in uh, Tennessee. Uh, we have Jennifer Pace. Hi. And Beth Love. Hi. And Stacy Messing. Hello. And uh, George Ash. Hello. So that's three English teachers and an English teacher who's now the principal. So you guys have an academy that has four parts, and one part is just a STEM part. Mm-hmm. Right. That's correct. You guys have your own principal even? Yes. George, George. George is our, our guy. <laughs> that's pretty neat. If I can ask you, George, real quick, um, how do you start something like that where you have just like all these kids being like a whole STEM academy? We were a we're a brand new school. We've been this is our seventh year, and um, was it our eighth? Seventh. Seventh year, and <laughs> so when the the district decided to build this school because of the population in the area, the charge was to do something new and different, something that was you know a little non traditional, and so the idea uh, developed that we would create an academy where students had the choice of several different pathways and those pathways were built based on research from the region about where the jobs were and of course uh, one of the things that we found was uh, business law public affairs made an academy health science made an academy Um, liberal arts of course was an academy and then we created a stem academy the students, you know, there was a little bit of blowback on the front end because people thought we were kind of uh, pigeonholing, I guess, their students into a, a career, but that's not the case. We want them to experience some things with relationship to or with relation to their possible careers. They may decide uh, after a couple of years, you know, freshman and sophomore year, that this is not the thing they really want to do. You and I know that's a valuable experience. It's the same as most of us going to college and going through a couple of years and spending a great deal of money only to find out then, oh wow, this is not what I want to do. And so now we're starting at ground zero again. So in within those four academies, uh, we're, all the academies are trying to give their students a little bit of uh, information about the careers and also some experiences to go along with it so that they feel well informed about that as they move forward in their education. That's great, and you're trying to incorporate them into, into everything, and that's part of what Jennifer and Beth and Stacy, what you guys do as, as English teachers, trying to creatively come up with, with ways to, to add STEM and stuff to, to your lessons, right? Right. You guys come up with those all on your own? or We collaborate with our peers a lot. Um, I know that they have done this on a larger scale, um, and so they can can speak to that but I know that one thing that's really important about our academy to us is that we share a workspace with colleagues from other subject areas so it's kind of like sharing all day every day um, that I can talk to a science teacher on a daily basis 
about something that I'm doing in my class so they can explain a concept to me and I in turn can tell them how they can incorporate writing into their lessons every day since that's a huge push especially with Common Core. Um, but I think that's one way that we collaborate on a daily basis that you don't necessarily get at another school with all of us being in, in the academy room together every day. It is. That's where our, um, I mean, there are so many things that I do in the classroom if I'm truly incorporating STEM that I could not have come up with on my own. And so just sitting around talking about like, um, I'm getting ready to teach night to my freshman STEM class. And so last year when I was going to do it, and it was the first time we'd had this freshman STEM class, I wanted to figure out a way to do some kind of like rotation of stations, carousel kind of thing, where the kids went to different stations and they read and learned different things. And I wanted them though, in some of those stations to do something with the information that was STEM related, like mathematical and you know, see what the numbers ended up being and how the population was decimated more here than there. And um, so I couldn't think of, you know, the the formulas and things like that. But I sat down and I talked to um, one of the co-teachers that teaches the class with me. And he just really worked through, you know, numbers and formulas and they could do this. He's like, but you don't have to tell them, you know, how to do it. He's like, the best part is, he's like, you give them the numbers. He's like, and they're STEM people, you know, they'll come up with multiple ways to figure this out and so I mean that was really the point but it also made it I feel like they really enjoyed that lesson because it wasn't just reading and facts and numbers it was then taking the numbers and making them I don't know more powerful or something so it went really well but again I couldn't have done that on my own so it's it's a huge benefit to us that we work in this workroom like this I mean, just, just that in and of itself is probably a great idea for, for any school to, to have a collaborative workspace and to, to spend time getting to know your colleagues and picking their brains and they picking your brains and, and sharing that. Well, that's one of the cool things, too. Just It's a little off topic, but having worked at two other schools before coming here, I worked seven years at one school and one year at another and didn't know those people. Like, I didn't know them at all. I had my own room. And besides maybe eating lunch together on some days when I wasn't creating papers holed up in my room, I mean, I didn't know them. I didn't know about their families. I didn't know their lives at all. It was just kind of like, hey, how are you? And then you just keep going. But here, I mean, we go out together. We go on trips together. Our kids play together. Um, and it, that's really unique, too. And that wouldn't have come had it not been in this kind of workspace environment either. So you have more friends and your kids have more friends all because of STEM. I, I think that's really the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the and and yes. I think we can close it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, George, maybe if I could ask you another question as, as, as the principal of the, of the STEM portion of, of your academy, were the teachers excited? Uh, were, they, were they hesitant at first? What? I think there's always some reluctance, um, but... I would say that this group of people that I work with are far less reluctant than, you know, I would have expected. Like I said earlier, many, uh, many of them embraced it. They were looking at the potential of kind of revitalizing, reinvigorating their, their passion, their career. And so um, I think we got a lot of buy-in because of that. 
But uh, the proof is, is, as they say, in the pudding, because when you do those lessons with the kids and then you see how well it goes, and you just saw it with mm -hmm. Jennifer uh, talking about how well that lesson on night went and how the kids enjoyed it, 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 it gives you a, a really good feeling about going out and, and looking for more ways to do that. So this, this academy is, you know, by far, you know, they, they're, the, like I said earlier, the hard chargers. They, they are bought in and, and they, they honor everything that they should honor in the curriculum, you know, dictated by the state. But at the same time, they package it and deliver it in a mechanism that allows the kids to really embrace it and, and kind of get involved in it. Kind of almost, you know, like that object in motion. If you can get it in motion, it'll stay in motion. And yeah, agreed. I mean, you know, a lot of people who are kind of because hesitant, but just because it's like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Once, once they kind of get through the first lesson they've ever done, that's kind of STEM related, even if they just kind of tiptoe into it and just do a teeny bit that's has something to do with STEM, they become more comfortable with it. And then when they see the success, like what Jennifer had with her lesson and what all of us have had with our lesson with our kids getting excited about it and, and really understanding it because we are really catering to the way they think, um, it's, it's kind of nice because then it gets easier for us too because we, we you know that whole excitement is not only on their part but our part too so it makes us want to do more and, and experiment more and, and that's that's the fun part now you guys try to find some interesting ways of course to, to put stem in there you talked about um uh, before we got started about some interesting ways to put it into advisory yeah and um, we we had a uh the first in the fall, we decided we we go with the Stanford School of Design as far as their whole problem solving process is concerned. Um, so we taught the kids in advisory that whole process and all the vocabulary that's identified with that. You have to empathize with your client or your customer, and then you have to kind of um, ideate and come up with problems and prototyping and this, that, and the other. And, um, so we taught the kids that whole process, but what's, what I found interesting, particularly in the last couple of weeks when we've started robotics build season, we are using those same words when it comes to building our robot. And I got to thinking about, we just started a new semester here, so we have new classes because we're on block schedule. But I got to thinking about after my, my students, my sophomore students have just turned in or will turn in tomorrow their very first essay for me. And once I walked them through all the kind of procedural type things, Next paper, I'd kind of like to try to apply because I have one class that's almost pure STEM kids. And I would like to try to apply those design principles and that verbiage to the writing process and see how that works for them as far as how do you tackle this? What, what kind of, when I empathize with my audience, who is it that I'm writing for? And kind of equate that concept with them. And that might make them buy into the whole idea of what their topic is maybe better or more in-depth or really just make them stop to think about it say, instead of, oh, I, I have to write this paper, but I really want to think about it. And so, and then when you get to the um, ideating, it's the same as brainstorming pretty much, you know, let's come up with a whole bunch of different ideas. But if I use different terminology that's not associated with writing per se, that might interest them more in writing, really, if they're looking at it from a problem-solving perspective. Right, so instead of calling 
the topic a topic, we can call it a problem because I can identify a problem that exists in the world, which we would normally call maybe a controversial issue, and they can identify a problem to solve and tackle it that way. And part of that paper could be providing a solution that's viable and would be accepted in society. So they have to apply, you know, scientific ethics, and they have to apply um, all these different concepts in order to create writing that they normally wouldn't. So applying the design process or the scientific method to writing really worked for those kids. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Anybody listening would probably say, "I want to be in that English class. I, <laughs> I, I want to do these projects." Um, you, you know, you think about what maybe people probably think of when they think of a bunch of kids all in STEM and all in a STEM school. And, and you probably think it's, you know, oh, they must not have sports. Or uh, if, if they are sports, they're probably named the engineers or something like, uh, <laughs> or their, their mascots or something. But you guys, you guys have sports. You guys have all those yeah. kinds of things, right? Just a regular high school in that aspect. We have pretty much every sport you can think of. Um, we have swimming and diving even and, 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 and your team is the and your team is the Hawks. It's not even yeah. the, you know, the engineers or the right. robot builders or on the road. Yeah. Yeah. We um, I mean, individually, each academy is unique, but then it's, you know, it's like the small learning community is what we've kind of dubbed it or whatever, and we all come together to make this whole, which is Hardin Valley Academy, and you kind of drop the whole. Um, especially with our sports and our competition teams and things like that, you get to drop the academy label for a bit, which is good for our kids too. And our students are very well-rounded in STEM. I mean, we have a ton of students that are athletes. We have students involved in row optics. We have students involved in TSA, the Technology of, Student Association. A lot of our TSA and, or in robotics kids are in orchestra, for example. A lot of our STEM kids are in orchestra. So that's kind of interesting. Um, well, they are. They're very, very well-rounded folks, for sure. It's really just trying to emphasize, you know, even more in in certain aspects of your school. I mean, it's it's not we're only teaching kids STEM. You know, it's it's right. it's fully integrating it in really in, into a lot of things. Right, and then and at the most basic level, it's okay. Let's identify those kids that think in this particular way, because in my mind. Because I'm, I'm more of a STEM thinker, even though I'm an English teacher. I, you know, yes, I enjoy novels and literature and symbolism and themes and all that good stuff. But honestly, I'm, I, I think in a more logical, boxy type of way. And so when we teach, and we've talked about this before, when we teach writing, we teach it in, in, in a formula. And in my mind, that makes sense. Kids who are more liberal arts, they just intuitively know how to write. But our STEM thinkers don't intuitively know how to write. So we have to put it on in their terms. So at the most basic level at Harm Valley Academy, what we are trying to do is just identify four basic different types of ways of thinking and how children's brains are wired. And so for our STEM kids, we've kind of been able to kind of get a basic idea of how most of those kids think and in, in a general way um, yeah. and how they write and how they solve problems and that sort of thing. Um, that is different from, say, the Liberal Arts Academy or the BLPA Academy. They write and solve problems a little differently than the STEM kids do. So we're just trying to meet them on their level. And these kids are all going to grow up and they're going to they're have jobs that yep. it's not just doing just 
engineering or just technology. It's it's all those things plus everything else. So. Well, it's 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 workforce development. We have to do those skills. You know, most of our kids that are going to be engineers or scientists or mathematicians are horrible public speakers. They're just okay. not gifted in that way. And so we really have to work hard with those children to help them understand that, hey, this and writing is the same way. This is a necessary evil in their mind. You know, you have to be able to do this in order to get a job and keep a job. And they don't get, initially they don't get that. So, you know, I kind of like to tell, tell people that, yeah, I'm, I'm a, um, an English teacher in the STEM Academy, but I'm really more of a marketing person because I have to sell these kids on the idea that, oh my gosh, you have to learn how to write and you have to learn how to speak in public and make sense and not look like a fool. And so we really, we, we work on that daily in all of our classes, you know, and TSA, for example, Stacy's one of the um, mentors for that club. You know, they have a public speaking aspect where they compete on public, at, at public speaking. And most of these kids are technically minded. So they understand, and part of TSA, the beauty of that club is they understand that, that that is a workforce skill that is definitely needed. Robotics is the same way. When we have our team meetings every night, we always have sub-team reports, what kids are working on on their prototypes or, um, you know, the, what are the electronics kids working on, what are the programmers working on. But we make them stand up in front of the entire group every night and talk about what, what it is they are working on so they can get that practice. And it's very informal, but it's still good practice. And we do that in the classroom all the time, too. We always, you know, do small group work. and But a lot of times... You know, in my class, for example, okay, you guys need to find a spokes model for your group. So stand up. Somebody has to stand up and present your findings to the entire class. We all do that all the time. And I think sometimes you associate English with just you know creativity, and we kind of assume that sometimes STEM thinkers lack that, but they really don't. Right. Um, and if you give them choices and options and ways of presenting information that are different from what you would give your other students. Um, they can really shine. For example, um, I do a project in my class where my students have to tell me what happened in Romeo and Juliet's brains. And I had mentioned that in the last podcast um, that we did, but I let them have some freedom in their presentation this time. And that class blew me away. I had kids coming in with boards that they had engineered that were lighting up different parts of the brains. I had kids who printed 3D brains as diagrams to show the class and illustrate to the class what had happened. And so if you give them the opportunity to be creative, but in a way that they understand or in a, with a subject matter that's very interesting to them, then they can do it, you know? And I, I, I think we just think English is so disconnected from the way they think, but it's just a different way of thinking about English. Right. Agreed. Any other last thoughts? It's so yeah. exciting listening to you guys and, and reminding myself, I'm listening to English teachers. <laughs> <laughs> we are, um, in fact, in just a few minutes, we're getting ready to have a meeting with the kind of, I guess, the advisory committee for STEM. And we have to have advisory once a week. It's, sorry. Um, so we have advisory once a week. And in a lot of places, you might think of it as homeroom, but we don't treat it like homeroom. We um, have come up with different things to do, projects, um, things that we want our STEM kids to learn in particular. And so in the fall, we did our Jurassic Park project and they went through the design process. And then today we're actually meeting to plan our spring semester. And um, our dean, Rudy Furman, who couldn't be here, um, he came up with this concept of STEM Olympics. 
so, um, and I know George can talk more about this, but UT, we're of course really close to the University of Tennessee. And so um, our students have the opportunity in the fall to go um, participate in what's called UT Engineering Day. And they have a bunch of different kinds of challenges like egg drop and um, bridge building and um, solar energy, just different things. And so we are kind of setting up the concept that we're thinking is that we're going to set up our advisory this semester to have basically ongoing competitions in some of these areas. And then the winners um, will be able to go to UT Engineering Day in the fall. So it's kind of like they'll learn, they'll get to do hands-on activities, they're going to have to do the research portion of it, um, and then they'll have to go through the design process. But the outcome will be that the winner will get to go on a field trip, which is, you know, kids always like to go on field trips, and you rarely yeah. get to go in high school. So yeah. um, I couldn't tell you a whole lot more details because we're going to work that out today, but that's the plan. That's great. I should probably let you guys go so you can do that. So uh, <laughs> From meeting to meeting. Right. So um, George uh, Ash, uh, Jennifer Pace, uh, St Stacy Messing, and Beth Love, again, Thank you guys for taking some time to share with me and with teachers all over the great things that you guys are doing, really trying to just help kids. Well, thank you very thank much. You. Enjoyed it. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 You're listening to this podcast on the SDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com. Remarkable.